Assalamu alaikum. Right, guys, today we have a very special podcast. It's with a good friend of mine, Sajjad, who is from West London. He is actually a para-athlete. He is chasing the Paralympic dream. He's not far off, and inshallah, he may join the GB team sooner rather than later. Uh, he talks about all things para-athletes um, and how to get into it, how to be, for example, uh, classified. So he's a C4 um, classified rider. He has something called club foot and of course, I'm no expert in it all, um, so I'll let him explain it in a second. Um, I actually have a recording of him explaining it uh, prior to the podcast, so what I do uh, usually is contact the person who I have coming on the podcast. I normally ask them to send through a bunch of notes or a voice message about what they'd like to go into, or rather what I'd like to go into. But uh, I normally ask for more information. So he sent over uh, an incredible voice note, in fact. So I thought it can't be that I don't include this in the podcast. So that'll be in uh, before the podcast starts. Also, uh, we were both just at the Limitless launch on the weekend. Um, so that's a British cycling project uh, which has just launched. So um, just a bit of background on that. Uh, Shell now sponsor British Cycling and part of that sponsorship is that they have a four-year funding uh, window whereby British Cycling are now obligated to create and champion uh, para-athletes and clubs so you'll see a lot more um, para-clubs or limitless clubs rather and champions uh, whereby British Cycling will support them and help fund such clubs which support and are inclusive to disabled riders so i think uh, in the near future you're going to see a lot more of that especially if you're in that crowd and it's something that you would benefit from um personally i like to learn about this stuff of course i'm i'm not a para athlete myself uh, but it helps to signpost such people gives access to the sport to people who perhaps didn't think they f uh, fit into the sport. So I think it's a hugely impressive project and I'm all for it and I'm all behind it. And uh, so, yeah, um, do listen to the pod, learn from it. And if you're interested to learn more, I would definitely look into Limitless. And if you're a coach of some sort, I want to lend a hand into the project, uh, perhaps yeah, at your local club or within BC, get in touch and uh, we can help organize that assalamu alaikum assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah inshallah you are doing well um okay so bro here's the voice note about me yes uh, so yeah so i was born with with a condition called club foot the technical term is i think talipes t-a-l-i-p-e-s so it's basically where you're born with the feet are turned in turn turn inwards turn under i'm actually not sure what what to describe it but the best way to think about it is imagine putting your hand, imagine you're standing parallel to a wall and, you, and you're doing press up position. So your hands are facing facing out on the, on the floor or on the wall. And now actually, instead of doing press ups on your hands, imagine doing the press up now on your wrist. So you turn your hand inwards and you'll be doing the press up on, the, on maybe on the back of your hands. So that's kind of how my feet works. Imagine that with your feet. So your feet are normal, so you can see the top of your feet. Whereas when I was born, you could see the bottom of my feet because the whole ankle was turned backwards. The thing is to do something to do with the Achilles tendon being too short. And it's actually quite a common, it's quite a common condition. When they say one in 1,000 or one in 2,000, I can't remember the exact number, are born with it. And actually it's more common in boys than it is in girls for whatever reason. So my telepiece or club foot meant that I actually had to undergo through six or five, minimum five operations before the age of two. And they had a final operation at the age of six. So the operation involved turning out, you know, my foot in the correct way. But the NHS, alhamdulillah, you know, did everything really well. So, yeah, so I had to go through a number of operations while I was at a young age. But I'm mainly on my right foot. So my left foot is actually a lot better in terms of flexibility, motion and all that. This, So this, so I guess let me take a step back. The the whole uh, the problem with this is to do with the condition sorry bro i'm not really good at explaining this 
the, the result of the the defect or the abnormality is that the feet have my feet have like completely they they look different to a, a normal foot the bones are kind of fused in different places one leg is considerably shorter as in by average standards than the other and have a lot of muscle impairments uh, from below the knees as well as yeah the leg length difference so if you also look at my right foot it's considerably wider than the average foot and in fact when i go to like get measurements they, they don't have a letter to describe the, the width of the right foot but when you know when you're on, the, on those funky tools that they use to measure the size and the width of your feet so i've had to go through a number of a number of um a number of operations and a number of since in hospital before the age of six but that's where i've kind of finished up so alhamdulillah they managed to correct it to the best that they could their right foot is still you know massively physically you know not massively but still physically deformed but what alhamdulillah i have is is a good left foot so my left foot although being my weaker foot because i'm right foot dominated has all the you know has a lot more flexibility a range of motion rotation strength you could say as well but my right foot is in a much worse state so it's caused me a lot of issues since 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 I could since I could walk. Walking is a difficult exercise for me. I normally walk on the outside of my foot, so the the foot is still bent in the wrong position, but they've corrected it to the best that they could. And so you so the way I walk is that I walk on the on the on the outside or, or the or the or the yeah the outside the outside of my feet. Um, uh, it's also trying to. I guess what's the word? Trying to level out the difference in the leg length position as well. So when you're kind of walking on that little bit of the outside of the feet, or more towards, I guess, on the tiptoes of the outside of the right foot, it kind of puts the legs back in a little bit of a balance. So you'll see that I do kind of walk. There is a there is a little bit, a bit of a bop. So people do think I'm a bit of a bad man walking down the road, but it's purely not out of wanting to be a bad man. But it's just the fact that because of the hip, so the leg length difference causes the hips to move up and down so it looks like i'm walking with a bit of swag what else so it's caused a number of issues i've tried a number of sports when i was younger so as i mentioned before football really wasn't something that i could do because of the shoes that i needed to wear and interestingly enough one of the quotes from the doctors was that my parents told me he goes look we won't be able he will never be a footballer, but at least he'll be able to walk, which I absolutely am grateful for because a lot of people born with this condition, even though it's so easily fixable, when they're born in the wrong kind of environments, like, you know, in, in the developing countries, that they don't get access to these kind of uh, uh, medical support and you know, something which is quite routine and rudiment in, in solving. They're not able to go through that, so they can't even walk. So the fact that I can, I can walk is just a biggest blessing, you know, I, I'm thankful for Allah for but it's something that I've lived with, so I don't really know the difference. So someone, when people ask me, does it hurt? I'm like, I don't know any different. I don't know what it's like to walk properly. I don't know what it's like to run properly. I don't know what it's like to have normal feet in that respect. So I don't know. To me, this is just what I know. And uh, I've had to then therefore wear orthopedic shoes throughout my life, up until the, yeah, throughout my life, to be honest. I've been very bad with it in the past few years because I got to a point where the boots were massively cumbersome, bro. They were they're, they're huge ankle boots. I think think about army boots, um, the ones where you lace up all the way to your ankles, purely because of the support needed. So instead of that, I've been wearing a lot more basketball style trainers. The 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 hospital put, gave me insoles for those. But I've tried a number of sports. Tried you know running, obviously not football. Never really worked out. But I always played football because of because of everyone else is playing football when you're young, right? But for me, the day after playing football with those plimsoll-like trainers, and the, yeah, I mean, not even the day, the couple of days afterwards would be horrendous. I wouldn't be able to walk. I was just in a lot of pain. So I gave that up very, very quickly. Also, again, because of the way I would run, it's not stable, and and, and a, a light tackle could easily put me out out of uh, out of out playing for for a long time. So I tried many things. I tried I tried things which didn't need shoes. I tried you know gymnastics. I tried trampolining. But then the issue with that was that my left leg would hit the trampoline earlier than my right leg. And even though I managed to get to county level, and I've got my medals from, from, from trampolining, where I represented Harrow, it actually caused a lot of stress on my right knee. Uh, and I had to, I had ended up having to, uh, had to, you know, I had to stop trampolining. I tried squash because I could wear basketball shoes, but and I tried a bit of badminton played badminton but i tried squash more and i wanted to get into it as a sport but 
with squash, I found that when you're playing against a partner that's just simply way too strong, or a partner that's not good enough, then you really don't get a good game. And badminton, I just found that to be a, just a complete rubbish game. I just couldn't get get into it. So whilst I tried squash, I tried for Harrow again. It just wasn't something that worked out. And then I've always ridden a bike. I've always ridden a bike from a young age. I've always been riding a bike. And then I thought, let me try to try to take it up a little bit more. And I had a really old, rusty mountain bike. And I picked it back up in 2012, I think it was, 2013, way before Strava, way before any of this stuff. And I tried it. And I found that as I cycled, the pressure on my my ankle in particular was very, very light. So in fact, that I can actually cycle for hours and hours on end up until my fitness gives in more than I can walk. I can't walk long. And I did Hajj in 2014. And I can tell you, bro, the Hajj was one of the hardest things that I did. My mistake was that there are dispensations for people like me who struggle to walk and I should have taken my orthopedic shoes. But wearing these big black leather shoes, you know, around in, in the Haram when everyone else is wearing their shoes, open top shoes, which is what you're meant to be wearing, was a very difficult thing for me to get to get over. So I opted to wear the sandals, the open top sandals. And my gosh, it was it was a real, real struggle, bro. Doing all that walking pushed me right to the very edge. My faith pulled me through, support from my wife as well. I had to take many, many a breaks and I was the slowest person in there, but I dragged myself through it. And it was hard, bro. And I still I still have kind of PTSD of, of, of all that walking. So I tried many things, but when it came to cycling, it was, was just phenomenal. I could cycle. And again, at that time, it was very slow, but I could I could cycle. And then I found a local group. And again, Muslim brothers from Northwest London, not the Slough guys, but so other other guys from here, from 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 the Stanmore community, Muslim community, and they were cycling, and I joined them. And uh, bro, I never looked back, man. I did my first Windsor ride in 2013, and then I think it was eight miles an hour or nine miles an hour on a 24, 25 kilogram, 75 pound Cycle King bike. So it was awful bike to ride, but. And in, and the gears and even the, the gears and even work properly, but I got there in the end, and I enjoyed it, and it became something that I really found that worked with me because I didn't have the pain afterwards. The just the push the push pull motion from the bike, it's just on the, on a, using the feet. It was just poetry in motion. So I thought to myself, this is it. I found my sport, and I continued and I continued and I did and I just gathered up miles. And this is so what I did before back in the days is I actually used an app called Nike Run, which has been long decommissioned. But it was one of the first apps that I found that actually logged your GPS while you ran. And then also with that, I did I found Ride with GPS. Let me log into my Ride with GPS. I think I was a I've been an account holder since 2013. So I'm one of the early guys, earlier guys who actually I think let me just check this. Let me check my profile. Let's check this. Manage subscription. What does it say? It doesn't tell you. Uh, profile. Profile. Five followers. Yeah, no one uses this. Um, career. Should tell. I'm so sure it tells me. Yeah, I'm so sure it tells me somewhere. Settings. Maybe. Profile. Um, anyways, I I used it a long long time ago, and I've got a bunch of rides on here that uh that are just. From, you know, from way back when. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that Alhamdulillah, I've been through a lot. And the more I picked it up, the better I got. And then I bought my first road bike in 2014 or 15. I can't remember the, the maybe the dates are getting, getting a bit wrong here. But I picked up my first road bike, which was a specialized Rebel. And I did about 10,000 miles, maybe just short of 10,000. Let me just check. Set profile. It's on Strava. Because I imported all of my stuff across one by one from the Nike Run app. Here we are, the night the Rubel. It just just over ten thousand miles over the over 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 I think was it years. And bro, it was amazing because I had no idea what power meant. I had no idea what cadence meant. I had no, the only thing I cared about was average speed. And I just continued and I tried and then I picked it up and I got stronger and I got stronger and got the road bike and, and you know, continued with that. There's so much more to talk about, I guess, but that's really the, the crux of it. And I've never looked back. And the more I've I've continued with it, the better it's become. I bumped into Musa Bob randomly on a commute one day, and he introduced me to the Bobs. 
And the minute I got into the bobs, that's when I realized, that, you know, wow, there's a huge world out there. There's some brothers which are fantastic. Because I was in such a small group and I'd become one of the, you know, the better performers within the, the faster riders. I thought, wow, man, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at this. But I had no idea that there were people out there and I that were 10 times better. And I, and I myself had no idea what even what, what even this, I was beginning to scratch the surface on cycling. So there was a lot of that. And then throughout this whole thing, the key thing has been, I've just been cycling in my basketball shoes. And I mean, my average pace has been going up 9, 10, 11, 12, 14, 15. I broke my first 18 mile an hour commute. I think that was in 2018. It was an absolutely huge feeling in basketball shoes. So, no, I wasn't clicked in. I wasn't any of that. I was just pedaling and I was just going. And my fitness increased and I was loving it. And for me, just the feeling of being able to go to places that I would never normally go to. Like, I started visiting the Chilterns and visiting Windsor and going to Slough. And then I did my first bob ride to Brighton, climbing Ditchling for the... Oh, my gosh, bro, I thought I was good. And what what really, really sticks in my brain was with the first time I met Brother Ahmed, uh, Ahmed Mungera. And uh, I met him on Tower Bridge. And, you know, you see a rider, you just don't know how strong he, a person is. And... I thought, oh, this guy looks pretty, you know, pretty good, but I don't know, maybe I'm as strong as him. Man, I was nowhere near as strong as I got. That guy is an absolute phenomenal powerhouse on the mic, and he caned it. And I was like, wow, these are the guys I need to be cycling with. These are the kind of things I need to do. And randomly, so I signed up to British Cycling, and randomly there was a small link on the one of the emails to sign up to Paralympics. This was tracked to Tokyo, so it's going back you know, a while. And I thought, you know what? let me try it i've got a club foot is that something that they can assess to be assessed to be uh, as you know paralympic uh, classified and whatnot and i had a chat with john norton i had a chat and i had a power test with john layton back back in 2017 i think it was i've got the dates here somewhere so obviously i'll clarify those dates i got some pictures from the event as well and they said to me that you would probably be in the, the lower end of the groups given your condition is you know closer to so on the day, there were people who were blind, people who didn't have legs, people on hand cycles. And it was just phenomenal to see the wide range of, of disabilities that were coming for the for the track day. And and I, and I did my power test and the feedback was, yeah, you're a good cyclist, but you're nowhere near the levels that we need you to get to be. And it was at that session where they talked about power meters. And I was there when I realized, OK, if I want to get serious, it's not about average speed anymore. It's not about this. Average speed will come. But it's about knowing the right training platform, knowing the right training metrics and doing it properly. And that's when I that's when I started looking into it a little bit more. And then that's when I started you know, looking at power meters and looking at trainer road and looking at Zwift. And this is where a lot of the, the, the help from the wider community, the Bob community in particular, began to help. And just gone from there, man. Um, and then then the problem with the when I went back in 2017 or whenever it was, is they didn't classify me. So I didn't know what I could do. I didn't know if didn't I didn't even know if I would have been accepted. So I came back in 2022, and that's when they opened up the. Uh, that's when I saw them. When when I got the email, when I saw the, the sign up. So I signed up for the classification, and Alhamdulillah, they classified me C4, which I think is the first step in many steps. Then they gave me the two targets, which is a minimum of four watts per kilogram and a minimum uh, FTP of 250. So finally. Now, a couple of years later, I had targets and I knew what I needed to do. And in the interim, I look back and maybe I should have tried harder because I've been on training road for a while and I've had a walk bike for a while. And maybe I should have started six months ago, but we all say that. But then I started, I, I made the intention the day that they classified me C4, I was like, whatever they want me to do, I'm going to work myself, my socks off and I'm going to do it. My wife has been very, very supportive, alhamdulillah. And it's not been easy. I'm still on the, I'm still on the, in the basketball shoes, I'm trying to figure out a way to get the wide lake shoes and clips and all that. But I've struggled. I tried it before and I struggled and I was a danger to myself other, and other road users, other cyclists and cars behind me where I could, because of the lack of rotation. So I need to you know, try again, get me get a mentality to switch from the right foot to the leg foot to unclip and all that. But it's been a, it's been an amazing journey and I wish I could share that with other people, obviously in a lot more cohesive manner. But you know best, bro. I leave it in your hands. I really don't know what else to say other than that, you know, the Bob guys have, have been really, really helpful. The trainer road group in particular, yourself and the other brothers that have really pushed me on. And I've now then, you know, joined Kenton Road, started doing time trials. 
yeah in my in my basketball shoes and this is it i'm and i'm trying my best because and i'm still you know i'm still pretty, i'm doing pretty well alhamdulillah i could do a lot better but i'm i feel i'm doing pretty well at the moment where i am so i want a big big plan to try to you know drop my weight you know increase my power and i do believe that with with some solid solid training and good guidance from from all the brothers and and the and the, and the guys out there you know much stronger than me it's gonna inshallah i'll get there take care bro Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Gapped Podcast. Saj, I have you on talking about all things para athlete, really. Um, but we've just had an insert of what you sent me earlier, which was brilliant. Um, in fact, we don't even need to record right now. You've given me everything. So, Assalamu alaikum, bro. Wa alaikum salam. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot to go into. So, let's start at the beginning then. Um, you know, like. Uh, what you talked about a bit briefly about your condition um just go into it a little bit again uh, maybe into more detail and uh yeah we'll start from there inshallah all right um okay so i was born with a condition called called club foot that's more the colloquial term the technical term is talipes it's a condition where actually where your foot is turned in so for some of the listeners uh, listening online um imagine that you're doing uh, a press-up and your hands are on the floor like that but actually now imagine you're doing a press-up on the sides of your hands. Um, that's how kind of my foot was when I was born. Um, or in a way, another way of thinking about it is literally like, a, I guess, a club. When you're out golfing, you can see the, the kind of the, the, the underside of the, of, of the club there. And that's how my foot was born. Um, it's a kind of, so it's a foot that's turned in and it happens because the Achilles tendon is too short. No one really knows the condition why. But actually, bro, it's a, it's a condition that affects one in a thousand people. So it's actually kind of common. And and actually, out of those one in a thousand people that have it, 50% have it in both feet. Bro, and I'm going to stop you for yeah. just a second. Like, um, you know, I, I think I can speak for a lot of people. We see people with turned in feet. Yep. Is, is that what they have club foot uh it could be okay it, it could be other it things? could be there okay. could be some other conditions okay. as well so this is more uh more along the sides of where you're when you're walking you're walking on the sides of your feet as yeah, well yeah. so not necessarily where your foot is still flat on the floor okay my foot is not flat on the floor gotcha. it's more on the sides of the outsides of the feet gotcha. and i can see this when i was born the soles of the feet were facing up okay that makes sense yeah 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 okay interesting yes yeah. uh it's a bit creepy as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, and um, so you went through a lot of operations and things uh, early on in your life, but um, I don't know how much you know yeah. about this, but if you didn't have those operations, what what would your life look like right now? And say someone in uh, a less developed country, what what would their life look like yeah. as well, I guess? Sure. Um, if I hadn't, had the, I hadn't been fortunate to have the operations then life would have continued but in a very difficult way so a lot of people they learn a lot of people who don't have the the operations in those kind of lower middle income areas they have something what's known as neglected club foot so they still learn to walk although it's very painful or with crutches and when we're talking about walking we're not talking about long distances it's really short distances in a lot of in a lot of pain but the overall issue with this is that a lot of the people in those areas need to walk for their livelihood a lot of the stuff is manual labor so these people kind of get a little bit left behind struggle to find income and on top of that the issue is um the is the issue is stigma associated with a disability unfortunately so that's a, that's a, would have been a real problem absolutely so you went through a series of operations and alhamdulillah you are well from the outside you would think well when i first met you i thought, I thought you were able-bodied i guess um but can you be cured from this per se? Um, you're still on a journey, I guess, but um, are people fully curable after such things or is that not possible? Sure. Um, to be fair, once you've had the operations, um, there's a limit of how far they can get you purely because of the way that the bones are fused or the muscles have actually developed over time. So there's no way for me to get a, what we call quote unquote, a normal foot position. I have what I have and the doctors and the surgeons have made it to the best of my ability. So I can't be cured from something, but I can now do almost everything to a normal person's ability. Absolutely. Alhamdulillah. That's great. Um, so a few months ago, I was probably for the first time, um, and hopefully again at some point, I was at the Talent 
ID Day for British Cycling. They had in a bunch of para-athletes. Um, they were basically putting them through testing protocols to see if they were good enough for the Paralympic team. And what I got from them was, one, there is hundreds of disabilities that we are not aware of. Um, some are, you can see instantly, limbs missing, etc., blindness. Um, but there are, as you well know, uh, so many that you can't see right away. But anyway, um, what I was trying to get at is uh, a lot of them spoke about an incident. That's what they referred to as an incident or, or an accident. Uh, uh, I've had this since my accident, and that seemed to be a big phase in their life. And of course, you were born with your um, condition. Um, how has, I guess, they've had to learn to deal with what they now have their disability but you obviously were born with it did you feel feel like I wouldn't say you have an advantage over them but did you just see that that's part of your life or did you struggle as you grew up so I think there's two elements to it there's one that I don't know anything else yeah 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 so it's not like I had a working fully functional right and left foot before and now I don't or I have uh, you know something happened to it so I always remember before and there was a before and after an event so I'm kind of fortunate to know that I don't know anything else yeah um but in terms of the, the kind of the pain and the and the trauma and the emotional side of the suffering um there are still elements of that because to having because I've had to go through the number of operations uh, the hospital visits. My parents have had to look after me in, in many ways when I was young. I've been um, having, yeah, I've had six operations. So all of that does take a toll on you as well. So there is an element to element in both ways. Absolutely. Uh, so alhamdulillah. Um, alhamdulillah. It's, yeah. it's, it's good in that sense, I guess. I guess there must be a few frustrations though in life. Um, like you mentioned your Hajj trip, for yeah. example, but. Um, but fair enough, alhamdulillah, like uh, as you mentioned, it's, it's, it's all you know, so mm -hmm. you just get on with it, I guess. That's it. Um, but anyway, uh, we'll move on very quickly uh, to cycling. Yes. Uh, we've gone into this podcast and we've not talked about cycling, not yet anyway. So what was your thoughts then or your feelings when you finally came back, because you kind of went away and you came back to cycling? Uh, you you mentioned you tried all these different sports and now you stuck to cycling. What what was going through your mind at that time? Were you like, yeah, this is a sport for me or is this a different thought process? Sure. So for me, it was a realisation that I could actually finally compete on the same playing field. I was It was... Um, it was that opportunity to say that yeah i've got something slightly wrong uh in my in my physical um build up in physical makeup and in the terms of the club foot but actually on the on the track on the bike i can actually level the playing fields here and that realization just was a was a huge eye opener for me so that meant that i could actually now compete with able bodied people and actually keep up and then now in some of the cases actually you know exceed them so to have that to have that ability it was just phenomenal and to and to move away from the whole pain prior of the the, the pain of having all the running and and the, and the you know element of of standing up so much the cycling was just almost pain free so it was absolutely wonderful alhamdulillah so what does it do for you then cycling because oh. it does so much for me but for you what, <laughs> everything, what is it? everything bro it's 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 the whole mental ability just to go out clear your head it's the, the the fitness side keeping your body fit and strong and healthy so you can do your uh, other things as well in life um it's 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 everything it gives you the chance as well to be good at something and as human beings you like to find a sport a lot of people find football and they want to go excel in football or badminton or squash or whatever and i tried that and i wasn't able to get to those places but now with cycling it's I found my sport and it's something that I can really focus and train my efforts on. Absolutely. And uh, you are now in a position where you are effectively chasing the Paralympic dream, um, like, potentially yeah. uh, aiming for Paris 2024. I believe that's the next uh, next Olympic cycle. Um, you were at a recent, well, you, you were at a British Cycling ID uh session a few years ago and That's then right, yeah. you were there again 
uh, only a few months ago. But before before all of that, how did you even hear about this program? Because the first time I heard about this program was only three, four months ago. And uh, then I turned up at the session. Um, uh, just for the record, I wasn't there um, <laughs> to be ID'd. I was there helping out. Um, um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, how did you hear about it? Because it's not, you don't see it in the mainstream. Or is it if you're um, part of that community that you see these things? Or, yeah, how do, how do you go about how did you find out so actually prior to prior to 2016 i'd actually signed up and became a member of bridge cycling and as part of that they send you the weekly or bi-weekly fortnightly emails and there was a small snippet very small snippet at the bottom of the one of the emails saying oh we've got a id uh id talent identifying session tracked to tokyo for the paralympics and i was like oh okay I didn't even know there was even you know that kind of uh, yeah. kind of um facility for this yeah, yeah. and i signed up I just clicked on the link. It said, okay, register your interest and give us some doctor's notes. That part was a little bit difficult because I don't have doctor's notes for the yeah. condition. So you had to turn up to get classified, um, uh, which is what I did. But it was literally that. It was just trying to be a little bit proactive and also a bit of luck as well, coming across that email yeah. and then signing up and then reaching out and then being reached out to by the talent ID team uh, for, to come up and, and test. Brilliant. Um, so just an insight um, from what I understand, the Paralympic team is the best in the world uh, for cycling anyway, uh, by far. Uh, on top of that, they ha are now expanding the para team three, four, five mm -hmm. fold. They've got, uh, they already had a lot of uh, funding for it. They've now increased that with Shell's partnership. Um, they've actually, I just got um, news today, they've now released uh, something called Limitness. So these are um, basically they're going to highlight clubs or organizations and support them uh, to include diverse and uh, disabled uh, um, cyclists basically so they're really pushing for this mm -hmm. I've seen firsthand as well the team is growing massively and um, I think there's going to be a lot more going on so inshallah it sounds good for for people who perhaps need that stuff so yeah um we'll move on very quickly so when did it so now you're obviously chasing to be on the part of the great britain cycling team when did it click you know when did it click to you that yeah you know what i can actually make that team mm -hmm. because you know we we all want to play for manchester united liverpool and arsenal when we're young footballers right because we didn't really grow up with cycling stars but we never, or at least if you're sane, right? You never <laughs> thought that you'd actually make it, right? Because we didn't go through the ranks, or at least me and you didn't. So when did it actually click in your mind that, you know what? I've actually got a chance here. Um, you know, it's not a pipe dream anymore. Yeah. So I think the first thing is once I actually received my classification, you can't enter any of these races, uh, which are UCI, uh, illegal uh, qualified stuff, you can't you can't enter any Paralympic event without having an approved uh, category. So once I actually got that accreditation, something I'd been chasing for a while, which actually was put on the back burner after COVID uh, and all that, I actually received my official confirmation that, yeah, we believe that you're category C4. And that was it. The penny dropped there. So I was like, OK, fantastic. Great news. It's a, it's, it's a weight lifted to hear that. The next question was, well, what do I need to achieve that? So the British uh, cycling team came back with some rough and ready guidelines and they said, OK, well, you've got to hit a certain power ratio uh, and uh, so you have some FTP rather and you could hit a certain power to weight ratio. The two are interlinked. We don't need to go necessarily the, the details in there, but they weren't too far away and uh, I hadn't reached them, but they were achievable. They were within arm's length distance. They still meant that I had to put a lot of effort, and I am putting a lot of, a lot of effort in getting in there because the competition is very tough, as you mentioned. Yeah. There's a lot of people who want to get in that club. But the minute that I was able to first get that accreditation and get those rough and ready benchmarks, that's when I knew you know, the, the dream is on. And the only thing stopping me is me. Yeah. And I've got to get over that and do as best as I can. So you mentioned just now, you mentioned you, you were categorized as C4. That's right. Um, just break it down. What what does classification mean? What does C4 mean? 
of course, I, I wouldn't get a classification. So mm-hmm. just break it down for yeah. the listeners. Sure, you know. sure. So within the Paralympics, you actually have four classes, four sports classes. So you've got the bicycles, you've got the tricycles, you've got the hand cycles, and you've got the tandem. Bicycles being Group C, tricycles Group T, um, got Class C, hand cycles is H, and tandem is B. And within each of these, you've got kind of subcategories one to five, where one is being your most severe in terms of the physical impairment and five being your least severe of the impairment. So as an example, being C4, what, what can we tangibly put it at? Okay, so C4 would be something like a single leg amputee and a C3 would so, be... So wait, 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 yeah, wait yeah. a second. Sure, you, sure. you are telling me, like, like I said, I didn't <laughs> realise you were disabled like when we first met and whatnot. Um, so you're telling me you are same category as yeah. someone who hasn't who has one leg. Yeah, man. Okay. that's the condition that I have. So the the club foot is pretty much equivalent to not having a foot. Okay. So as part of the just a bit of brief background as part of the classification, I had to go through a number of uh, uh, tests um, into stretching and and uh, all that kind of um, physiology. Okay. And they determined that actually the range of motion and the and the lack of the muscle power in the ankle was equivalent to actually having a prosthetic limb okay there is no movement there okay. is little muscle growth there so it's no different <laughs> we don't we don't see the yeah. difference so yeah you're right so i would be equivalent in the same group of the single single leg amputees and see for example as a c3 would be a, a, a double leg uh, amputee below the knee okay. yeah. so the higher the, the lower the number the more severe the impairment so what what would uh Maybe you don't know this, but what would a C5 look like potentially? So a C5, a good example of that is Dame Sarah's story. Okay. So she's actually, uh, you know, well, she's, she's a fantastic rider. Um, she's category C5. And for example, from her perspective, she has no left hand. Um, that's as far as I'm you know, aware of that. So she would be a C5. Okay, gotcha. Okay, understood. So closest to able-bodied, basically. That's right. right. So it's closest you are in, in the highest number of five, yeah. All right, so uh, we talked about you being given numbers or targets to hit um and that was only a few months ago that's right what's your training been looking like since then then and how is it how have you stepped up or have you not stepped up uh alhamdulillah i definitely can say i've stepped up because i have that target in mind so in the last couple of weeks since um being given the, the the go ahead from from the classification side I have subscribed to a number of training plans directly on uh, Trainer Road and have aimed to build up my base of the aerobic uh, side of fitness and just try to get as many miles under my belt but in a in a smart way because you can you can do a lot of cycling and not benefit from it or you can do a little a less cycling and actually benefit more from it so yeah. structured training is I think is the real key here um, and to get that going, you know, you do your FTP test, you figure out where you are, and then you put your goals and ambitions into Trainer Road, and it tells you what you need to do. And so I've increased now, and oh, I'm aiming for 10 hours a week, okay. 10 hours structured training, yeah. excluding the outdoor rides. So it's a, it's a pretty intense week. Okay, so let's break it down just a touch. We'll dive into the training. Uh, we've got time, yeah. uh, and I'm a massive fan of Trainer Road, as you well know. Yep. Um, so you're talking structured training. You're talking uh, ten hours on on Trainer Road. Like, let's start at the beginning. We've not necessarily dived into that on our podcast, so now might be a good opportunity. So Trainer Road is yep. similar to Swift, but I would argue that it's um, pure performance or pure right. training, whereas Swift is touch of community-based. It does have training plans in there as well, uh, but I feel by far Trainer Road is um, trumps it in terms of training. Just mm-hmm. It's not the most interactive, um, but when it comes to actual training to get faster and fitter and stronger on the bike, it, it definitely trumps Swift in that sense. You're talking about structured training. Do you want to explain that then. sure sure so i guess the the idea of structured training is to set yourself uh, certain targets um be that holding certain power thresholds or working different muscle groups over a, a period of time to be able to build yourself up so if you have uh, like myself a couple of races that you're planning to do you say okay those are my goals and ambitions to try to be as fast as i can in that and then you select the appropriate um, select the appropriate um, training plan within within the app itself. So the app itself will tell you, okay, well, how many weeks do you have in there? 
And in those weeks, how many hours can you dedicate? That could be three hours, six hours, or a little bit more. And then you tell it within that, how, what kind of area you want to build up in. So it could be your time trial positions. That's holding threshold for a while. Sorry, I'm knowing a little bit technical here. But the idea is that the app facilitates the best type of training to get you ready and put you in the best shape for whatever event that might be. So a crit race or a long endurance uh, challenge or a time trial or even just a general hill climb challenge that, you've, that, you, that you're planning for. All of these are already pre-built within the app. So it takes all the thinking out and you just simply have to ride your bike and follow the follow the plan. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're doing 10 hours on the bike, um, for many, that just might be a century ride on the weekend. That's 10 yeah. hours done for some, right? Yeah. Uh, but when you're doing structured training, it might be a 45-minute workout within that 10 hours, which will absolutely throttle your legs and you'll need perhaps even a day off or an easy ride to follow. So... Um, with structured training, there is no mile which is uh, wasted in a sense. Yep. You, you know, it's um, it tells you exactly what you need to do, as you mentioned. Um, so there's intervals, um, there's rest days, there's rest uh, or recovery rides even. Um, there's no junk miles, I guess. And yeah. uh, ten mile, ten hours of structured training that's that's intense. Like I said, it might sound like one century ride on the weekend, but it's not like that at all. It's like one hour on a Tuesday, maybe an hour and a half Wednesday, yeah. Thursday, two hours potentially, and they're not easy rides. Um, not indoors anyway. So, no. yeah, it's uh, there's no coasting. Yeah, absolutely, no, no coasting, coasting whatsoever. There's no coasting, so there's no let up. So you've got to keep 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 the legs turning. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. Um, so. Uh, you mentioned as well, you plug in your FTP number. Yep. Uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, that's your functional threshold power. So it's the, I would say, the potential uh, power you can hold for an hour if you are on your best day, uh, flooded with caffeine and <laughs> drugs maybe and all the good stuff, right? Um, a couple so, of days rest before as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a number generally between, say, 100 and 500 if you're a World Tour Pro and um, what Train Road and other um, apps as well, training apps, what they do is they'll put that into the plan and they'll work out um, training uh, and intervals related to that. So that's just a quick whistle-stop tour of Train Road and intervals and whatnot. Anyway, um, you are plugging away. Yep. Um, have you... It's been two, three months in that since that time. Have you seen an improvement? Are you getting closer to what they requested? I am getting closer in terms of remember there were two there were two elements to it. So one was a power, one was a weight. Um, and they are kind of interlinked to each other. So from the power side, Alhamdulillah, I've seen a real step up in improvement. I think that goes with anything. If you do more of something, if you do more of running, if you do more of playing your badminton, um, and you dedicate more time to that in the week, you're naturally gonna get better of it. Um so yes, Alhamdulillah, I've seen a real step up in my in my ability to hold higher powers for longer. Numbers that I had only dreamed of six months ago, now I'm able to hold for three, four, five, six minutes, um, which is giving me a real solid motivation. And on the flip side as well, um, off the bike, there's you've got to also work on your nutrition. You've got to work on, okay, keeping the weight at the right point because you can't lose all your weight because then you're not going to be able to hold enough power for the long period of time. Um, so you've got to really balance the the two, the putting out the effort and the income on the calorie side as well. So the idea is that you need to be more leaner on the bike so you can, because, you know, the, the race is one on the hills, right? Yeah. So um, you've got to be, uh, you've, got to, you've got to find that right sweet spot for, for weight. And that can be a bit of a challenge with the number of birthdays we've got and the, the events that we, we we're invited to and weddings, the, the and weddings and the saga, week the long weddings, right? <laughs> week long week weddings and the, yeah, and all the cake at work and and whatnot. So you've got to be re really really disciplined, and that's what I'd like to reiterate: your discipline in terms of your your day, your structure, your 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 plan has told you. You need to put out this number of hours and you need to hold this number of watts per week, alternating with the intervals. At the same time, you've got to say, okay, well, you know, you can't compensate for that and just eat all the time and eat whatever you want. You've got to eat the right stuff at the right time and make sure your body has got enough enough recovery. So that's kind of, you know, you've got to have that dedication to do it. So how has that changed? I'm talking off the bike, the nutrition stuff. 
since you stepped it up? Oh. Has it changed? Yeah, bro, big time, big time, big time. So I actually said to myself, um, I need to hit a certain a certain kilogram of weight before I can start eating croissants again. Something really simple. I enjoy my croissants. I used to have two for breakfast every morning. Wow. Yeah, okay. I know, bro. Cool. I know. It was, uh, it was it was a nice nice breakfast, right? Fair enough. Good start to the day. Yeah, <laughs> I've had umbala for breakfast. No comment. Yeah, right? no comment. So so that's it. You're starting off the, the day with not the best of you know breakfasts. And I was fluctuating, I'd plateaued, I didn't get to, I wasn't, my weight wasn't shifting. And I said to myself, and I said to my wife, you know what, that's it. I'm not going to hit, I'm not going to eat any, any croissants until I hit a certain kilogram. And I achieved that kilogram, not just from missing out on croissants, but I'm talking about these additional snacks and the chocolates, replacing them with apples and fruits and trying to eat more, I guess, like, you know, on the cucumbers and carrots and trying to fill myself up with that kind of food and even yogurts and, and overnight oats things which are actually quite easy to prepare and nutritious in value and can really help you with uh, with, uh, with 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 on the bike uh, fueling as well so i've had to make you know, sacrifices on that side as well um, you know when you're going to the party you don't eat that many cakes slices you limit yourself which is tough which is really really tough yeah. but you know what the reward is there when you start seeing the fact that you're holding these numbers or your watts per kilogram is actually going up and up and up not because necessarily you're holding more power, but actually because your weight is lower. So therefore, as a product, your your watts per kilogram is going up. It gives you that motivation, that virtuous circle to push you to go even further. And also the fact that you start fitting into clothes that you, know, that you maybe couldn't have fit into and they were feeling a bit too tight. So I fit, you know, I, and I fit into the, the medium jerseys. I was like, wow, man, my old Bob jersey yeah. is now too big for me. Oh, wow. Okay. I know, man. So if anyone's looking for, for a Bob top, they can, <laughs> I'm happy to sell second hand. But things like that, you know, when, when, you, when, you, when you start shedding and you feel good about yourself. Yeah, yeah. So on, on, on the bike and off the bike, it's just been, alhamdulillah, a real big bonus. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. So which then, uh, which discipline mm-hmm. are you chasing? Okay, so because there's obviously road track BMX, there's time trial, there's there's all sorts. So for the moment, I'm starting off with the time trials. Okay, purely because that's the easiest one. I think I feel to get into. Is that for you personally or with mm. GB? Okay, so that's for me personally at the moment. Yeah. So for me personally at the moment, um, going into the time trials is the most accessible. Yeah, and I think absolutely. for all the listeners as well. Yeah, it is the easiest way to start to get into Definitely. racing. Yeah, yeah. It can be a little bit daunting because some of the well, all the races kind of take place on A roads. So, nah, no, no, don't they? In Essex, not not no? not the ones local to me okay. anyway. Right. But I, I think most of the the biggest time trials or the fastest ones rather, the most popular ones, they're on A roads. Yes. Yeah. But um, a lot of the ones around Essex, I'm talking about Essex, East London area. Um, they're up and down roads that we ride generally and lanes okay. and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And you can find them as well. And I, I, I would definitely suggest those before you jump on Correct. an A road and whatnot. Yeah. But oh. yeah, go and carry on. Maybe sorry. I should have spoke to you six months ago about no. that racing. Um, <laughs> so local to me, a lot of the races take place on, on the fast roads. Um, and I think coming back to it, the time trials for me is where I feel that I can really begin to immediately see the results of the effort that I'm doing. Um, they are, you know, time you have to pay, and it's not, it's not a big fee. There is, a, there is a fee associated with them. So if you're doing multiple, then you know it can add up. Yeah. But for me, the best part about it is you don't need the time trial bike. Yeah. You just right. turn up with whatever bike you've got, so long as it's, you know, it's in the, it's, it's a normal road bike, um, and you race and you get a time, and it's you against yourself. Yeah. And that's what I feel is the best part is that you are facing the clock. Whereas you know, if you're in a crit, you know, other type of group races. Um, there's a little, for me, it's a little bit more. Uh, I'm a little bit more uncomfortable. You, you, you're, you're in the pack. There's, there's, there's a higher chance of, of an accident, potentially as well. Um, but for me, yeah, time trials are the one because then I can really see the benefit of the structured training that I'm putting, I'm putting out. Has anyone ever commented on your shorts in a time trial? Yeah. <laughs> Our baggy shorts, I should. Mention. I've, uh, yeah, there's, there is a certain. I felt this wasn't said, but when I was going to my time trials, I'll be honest with you, there was a certain way that people looked at me is it because of the color of your skin or the shorts that you were wearing or Um, a combination um i think it's a combination so i'll be honest with you i don't remember seeing any other brown people at the at the time trial yeah yeah we know we are under under underrepresented minority um guys get racing man yeah inshallah (laughs) this uh, podcast is looking to you know bridge that gap so i see what you did (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, pun not intended so i was 
I think yeah, I believe it. I was. I've been to two. Let's okay. clarify. I've been yeah, to yeah. two time trial races. Um, uh, one of them, I had one other brother with me. Yeah. One other one, I didn't. So in one of them, there was another brother from Northwest London, and he was there with me. Um, and another one, I don't remember uh, seeing any other brown people. Maybe one other brother, maybe. Yeah, out of how many people that are there, quite a few. So the second thing is also to do the dress, so dressing dressing with the overshorts and the modesty. But actually, I felt that the funniest looks for me was the fact that I was wearing basketball shoes, bro. Yeah, yeah. I yeah cycle, we're we're going to dive into you dive that. Into that yeah, but yeah. I think so. There are there is a certain clique associated with that, and let's not let's let's not beat on the bush. That, that definitely appeared there. Or oh, what bike is he riding? Yeah, but you yeah. know what? This is what I love about the time trials because you can put all that aside. When you're on the road and you're racing, you're putting all of that stuff aside and it's just you and the bike and the clock. And when you're in that moment, the the, the feeling is just immense and you're putting the power out, your head is down and you're smashing it against, against, against the wind and it's just a, an amazing feeling. This is what I want to get across. Like when you pin a number on, hmm. you bring out a different beast, a different <laughs> animal within and it you, you're able to push out numbers power that you can't on a you know on a, a normal sunday even if you're racing up with with your mates like something else clicks inside and if you haven't raced yet you got to uh, do it yeah yeah you got to do it there's there's nothing there's nothing quite you can practice as much as you want on the turbo you can put your app online and yeah. you can hit the you know hit hit, hit the it's addictive there. even it's if you very, lose you come last addictive. it's addictive yeah yeah, because you know, you're coming last, in the group, but again, you're not comparing yourself to the other. You're comparing yourself to yourself. Yeah. So even if you come last, that's fine. Like next time, even if I come last again, it doesn't matter. I want to beat my time. So yeah, that's uh, yeah for me. I said time trial. So BMX and downhill racing. That's that, that's just simply not for me. Uh, for me, yeah, my focus is and eventually uh, come back to the other question with BC inshallah will be yeah. aiming to do track. Okay. I want to do velodrome racing as well, okay. um, but that's still still a while away. You got to work on the license and yeah. you got to, yeah. and to get the you have to go there as well, which can be difficult um, from where from where I live. So you need a dedicated bike. You need, uh, as you yeah. mentioned, license. Pay for that. Go through the the process, etc. So as you mentioned, time trial, guys. If you're looking to do a race, time trial is about seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve quid. I don't think I've seen many time trials more than twelve or thirteen quid. Yeah, 13 you quid. don't need a license. Like if you were to race crit or a road race, you need to pay eighty quid or something similar yeah. just for a license before you then pay twenty, twenty-five pound to enter a race. Time trial, turn up, ten quid or something. Yeah. Um, you can often find local clubs running them for four, five quid. Yep. My local ten evening tens in the summer, I think they're three or four quid, yeah. and um, I think uh, I probably shouldn't say this on air, but I probably forgot to pay a few times. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? So, and uh, no one's yeah. been knocking on my door. So, yeah. um, I will go pay in Shannon. The, the same thing. The same thing with Northwest London. There's a yeah. couple of clubs that I think in 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 the on season they have, every Thursday night they got uh, the Hamilton tens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just turn up on the day. Yeah, you pay yeah, on the yeah. day. Yeah. So if something happens, you don't feel, oh, okay, you know, I've committed to something, I can't do it because work's come up. No, you just, you've, you've got the time, yeah. you, you want to do it, you you put it in your diary and, and, and you and go one it. week and then that's, again, that's it. So it's, it, As you mentioned, it's, it's on this, it's you versus you and it's generally, it, it's normally a series, say, so from May till August or something and it'll be like 12 weeks and they're generally on the same course. So you go back, you go first week, Okay, give uh, a week or two break. Go back the fourth week, race against yourself. You yeah. got uh, everyone's on Strava now. You yeah. see your time that you did. Uh, try and PB it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. Um, and just bring out that beast in you. You know. Yeah, um, yeah they're 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 accessible. They're accessible, and you might even bump into a few uh, hot shots over there. Yeah, so who I can did, teach I, you I a thing or two, I, right? I, I yeah, so I bumped into uh, a certain GCN rider as well. Up there, which one? Oli. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's my best pal now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. He, we Instagram each other regularly. <laughs> no, no, we don't. <laughs> cool. Um, so uh, w w the next thing I was probably going to mention is like as you did mention, you don't race in clips. Um, you've been right. riding for a long time. It's like a rite of passage for most cyclists. I imagine if you're listening to this podcast. You either ride in clips or you're thinking about it, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, you don't listen to this podcast as a noob, for example, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, you race in boots. Why do you do that? And 
All right, so I'll tell you the truth. Um, because I've always worn basketball trainers as a, in any sport that I've done, so in the squash or in badminton or whenever I play, I play in the basketball shoes because they give my, me the best ankle support. And um, they, they also provide me a lot of comfort. So again, as part of the whole telepiece thing, the club foot issue is that one of my foot is considerably a lot wider than the other. So now imagine trying to put that into a cycling shoe, which is very, very rigid. Yeah. It's not comfortable They're at all. They're normally narrow as well, right? They're very narrow. And then on top of that, my don't forget, with the condition is you have the you know, lack of mobility. So clipping, you have to unclip out. And for me, I, found, I, I, I tried it. I'll be honest with you, I tried it. Um, I, I tried it when I was very, very new to the sport, which is probably the wrong idea. And you know what, bro? I was a, I was a hazard to myself and to other road users. I couldn't clip out. I'd fall down, um, which is embarrassing in, in in itself, but it's something that you want to avoid because you you, you don't want to get get hurt. And also at the same time, as I was doing uh, a lot of commuting, you need to <laughs> stop and start quite quickly, especially when you have got the van drivers taking you and cutting you up. And you, and it's happened a few times where I had to jump off the bike. Not possible for me or most people in clips. So I've been a flat using flats for 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 a long for a long time purely because of I haven't been able to find the right shoe, which actually. It's kind of now changed now. Okay. Uh, and how's that yeah. changed? How's it changed? So I found, you know, you can get these lake wide shoes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you can get the shoes and there are some of the shoes now which they've actually designed for people with very odd shaped feet. Oh, really? Okay. So you've got the, the boas, you know, the boa um, Dial. dials. Yeah actually have a, you have three different sections to the boot so you can actually make a, the middle part looser and the and, and the front and the, and the back part tighter so you yeah. can actually allow the shoe to mold to the foot which actually gives me a lot more comfort now when actually wearing the shoe i still have to get over the fact that i need to figure out how to unclip and clip but it may just mean that being right-footed and my right foot being worse i've got to mentally get over that and actually start using my left foot which is my my non-dominant foot to unclip and clip gotcha. so i think there are there are ways as well that you know you can try to facilitate around it but for the moment yeah it's going to be a while before that that gets there um yeah. and as, as well on top uh, as well as you know being able to balance the legs with the with the shims so at the moment the flats don't really give me the opportunity gotcha. to, to balance yeah, yeah. that but so there is swings and roundabouts uh there's probably we i'm sure you've seen the same gcn video which shows there's zero difference between 100%. clipped yeah, yeah. and uh, flats, right? It's yep. just, yep. I think it's just become tradition within cycling to go, like, as I mentioned, right of passage to go clipless. Yep. So if you're not at that stage, right, just not just carry on. Yeah, yeah, Sag is doing it, racing TTs, <laughs> you know, so knock well, yourself if out. If you don't mind me sharing some, some numbers, I can tell you yeah, some yeah. numbers of my TTs. That, Absolutely. Uh, so I'd say the first time, the first time trial uh, I did, I did it in 2737. So that's an average speed of 21.8 miles an hour on yeah. flats. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the yeah. second time trial I did, I did it at 2545, 23.5 miles an hour. That's incredible. On flats, yeah, yeah. underline, yeah. So again, I don't think the flats stop you in any way. <laughs> you might get a few odd looks here and yeah, there. Yeah. But you know, you let if your you're riding past them at 23 miles Bro, per hour. That's it, man. Then... You let your cycling do the talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about me, what I'm wearing. Just yeah. let, me, let, me, let me go out and smash my PB. So now that you've uh, been classified, have you looked into races, um, just Paris specific? So, yeah, so I have. Um, again, so a lot of those do take place uh, in, let me start the velodrome for, for, the, for, oh, for okay. the track side. Just track. Yeah, yeah for the track side. And uh, for the, the non track, there are. There are actually ways where I don't necessarily have to sign up for Paralympic rides. It's a para races. I can do that to build the points up, but at the same time, I can actually enter the fully able-bodied stuff. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, and you're good enough, right? So oh, why not? I'll, inshallah, soon I'll be good enough to do that. <laughs> so um, I think I think for me, the key thing has been actually before any of this stuff is to focus on myself and get myself to that level that GB have kind of already identified. Yeah. Not far off it, but the minute I can get there, then I can start showing these guys, here's what I'm made of. But before that, I don't want to, you know, not in the same, necessarily embarrass myself, but I want to yeah. work on myself and build myself up before I'm fully ready at any okay. races. Inshallah. Inshallah. So if there's an athlete right now, cyclist like you six months ago, what advice, a para-athlete that is, hmm. what advice do you have for them and where can they get support? Okay. So my advice with, for, for them would be don't let that, in any way, shape, or form, hinder you. Be that you know mentally. Uh, oh, I don't think I can do it because you can do it. 
um, and and I you know I've I've seen myself grow and develop in that way and get over that mental barrier. And most definitely, do not let that be a mental barrier to you. Um, in terms of actual support, the actually the British, as you said, the British cycling are putting a lot. I'm talking about a considerable amount of effort into identifying those potentials to to win the next Olympics. So actually, if you go online and you type in British cycling Paralympics. There's a a huge amount of information on the on the BC website, which explains um, all the different classifications, uh, how you get classified, because there's only, I think only four classifications a year. So if you want to get on the races, you need to get classified, which means you need to be on that list ASAP, bro. Gotcha. So go online uh, on, and do that, or even you can you know reach out to me on Instagram. I can show you um, where where I can guide you in the right, in the right direction or where where to go. Um, but definitely try it because there's so many different categories um in there that you can potentially fall into but the key thing is that unless you're classified then you can't go anywhere yeah i just want to tell a success story i have a friend of mine henry okay. he rides he's a fellow scholar um british cycling scholar he jumped on a tandem to lead a tandem of um a, uh, someone who's blind yeah. um and they, him and his partner had never been on the track uh, in, what, six months ago? And they've been training their butts off, basically. Uh, and they raced nationals very recently, uh, para-nationals, yeah. and they got silver. There you go. Um, so don't think if you've never raced track or you're not cycling very much now, it doesn't mean six months, one year down the line, you can't be at the nationals or even uh, Olympics or Paralympics doing the same so yeah just just uh grab the opportunity uh, by yeah. the horns basically and uh go for it because a lot of money as you mentioned is going into this and there's a lot of opportunity and uh there's uh, i think in the next few years there's going to be a lot of clubs now who are going to get money pumped into them to make their club more accessible yeah. and equipment accessible etc so do look out for that um i'm going to put my bob hat on now right. um yeah. so uh, as someone who helps run the club, uh, mm. how could we as an organisation or a club support um, athletes like yourself? If we can support, now obviously we're yeah. very limited in terms yeah. of expertise, money, yeah. or the rest of it, but yeah. whatever way we can, we can obviously try it, right? Yeah. So if any other community leaders or club members are listening, perhaps you've got some advice for them. Yeah. Um, personally, I think that the best way is accommodation. So if there is someone... Oh, you, that, you need a house to stay in, bro. <laughs> accommodation in the sense accommodating for people who have the who have that particular disability uh, and making them feel welcome. So if, for example, you have that guy who needs... Uh, who, who is maybe, a, you know, a hand cyclist or whatever, yeah. that don't look down upon them. Yeah. Invite them into the club, make them feel welcome. And do you know, in all honesty... I think this is what I really love about the Bob group is that there there is not a single person who looks down upon a thing so on 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 a single other person for whatever reason. We're all um, you know we help each other, we support each other, we want the best for each other. Mm -hmm. And if someone did turn up like me, and I have turned up to a couple of Bob events in bright blue basketball shoes, I haven't you know had one person comment say you know well what was this bro yeah, you know yeah. what kind of attire is this yeah so. Is is one where at least that I could feel comfortable because I do know that you know <laughs> I do stand out like a sore thumb in those in those in those shoes compared to everyone else when standing up for for a photo. So having that ability to say that it doesn't matter, we we're here just to cycle. Everything else is periphery. Everything else is it's not a problem. So that kind of uh, that kind of continued mentality I think will be best because trying to facilitate it from a from a practical perspective like you know oh having a session for parallel for those people in a particular area would probably be very cost prohibitive. Yeah. So the first thing is as a club with limited resources is is doing the best that we can in terms of facilitation of opening our doors to them. And I think that's the that's that's the way. And also things like this so we say okay well actually did you know there's a better opportunity funnily enough for you to achieve real success than for the able-bodied people yeah. because that that condition or that challenges or that group is much more higher yeah. than on the on the disabled side. So actually, you know, let's let's push you and let's see what we can do and put in the right direction. So as an example, one of the things that the bob the bobs do is that you know there's like a training chat 
and you know you help each other and I'm part of this group and we help each other promote and get better so I ask the questions and say well what do you think about this training plan or what do I need to do to improve this aspect of my cycling and you've got a lot of brothers on there who are very experienced like yourself and other brothers that will give good solid feedback and positive stuff and only push you in the right direction that's it you have to dig within the trolling you have though, to dig it? within the, you have to dig you have to dig within the trolling and on that stuff um but that's well, what i mean is that there is but the thing is that there is that faci- you, you're yeah. facilitating it yeah you're facilitating it right uh, I know. that's why i think it's beautiful i know you requested this question uh, because oh. we we stopped we stopped doing them at the beginning <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, should i skip it yeah yeah all right cool uh Saj, thanks for coming on it's been a brilliant pod i've i've certainly learned a ton and to be honest um when i was at that talent id like i said um I, i'm looking forward to more sessions like that because it's just a whole new world that i'm yeah. not i'm not a part of like you don't even you don't even think about it you know that it's only when sometimes i'm in the middle east or i'm in another part of the world where i've got a pram mm. and it's not very like i went to italy very recently as well it's not it's not pram friendly mm. and uh, me and the, my missus were talking quite a bit as well we're like wait a second we've got a pram alhamdulillah i'm fairly strong i can lift it here and there and whatnot but what about a person who's disabled how how would they get around this pathway in the middle east or mm. you know like it, or sometimes there is no path yeah, right yeah, and yeah. Uh, you you're, i'm just thinking like alhamdulillah in the uk there's massive considerations for disabled people and um you know you can't you can't build a path without con- such considerations etc there's lifts almost everywhere now um i still i know tfl still do not have to step free stations uh, yeah. i know it my bike knows it when i have to lift the pram etc but yeah um we're very fortunate i guess here but yeah alhamdulillah i've learned a lot and I will continue to do so, inshallah. inshallah. Well, so. Thank, thanks for having me on, bro. No, uh, cool. Hopefully, uh, it's inspired a few people to start time trialing racing. Absolutely, well, yeah. able-bodied guys for sure. Guys, it, get man. on it, man. 100%. Get on it, and and women, of course. And women, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alright, <laughs> so alaikum. Alaikum salam, Allah.